Don't worry about anything but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us to begin with in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he, did not ha- but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Then looking in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 1, picking up at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And the angel left her. The Gospel of Luke chapter 1 verses 26 to 38. Thank you, Father, again for your word. Thank you again for the wonderful passage of passages in the word of God that we refer to as the Christmas narratives found in Matthew chapters 1 and Luke chapter. Matthew chapters 1 and 2, and Luke chapters 1 and 2. And thank you, Lord, for the wonder, the grace, the power, the wisdom, and the insight found in these powerful passages of Scripture. Father, help us more and more to fall more in love with you and with your word and empower us to become much more faithful hearers and doers of your word. 
And Father, during the Christmas season and beyond, set us on fire afresh to be bright, shining witnesses and ambassadors for your kingdom who proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ faithfully and efficiently everywhere we go. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Again, I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. Our producer is Isaac Jackson. Isaac is going to lead us in a word of prayer at this time. Hey, love, thank you so much for these moments, and thank you so much for your son. Thank you so much for the season to remember him and uh, to look forward to his return. Fathers, thank you so much for loving us even while we were sinners and even while we rebelled against you. You're so good, and uh, you're so powerful that you would even bring Jesus back to to life from the grave after three days, and uh, you said that you're coming back again to bring us into eternal life. Uh, We wait for you, Father, and uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming first. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Isaac. And thank you again for being a part of our listening family. Uh, We are continuing to remind and encourage you. Please do take time uh, between now and Christmas. And of course, really, it's a good thing to do it even beyond Christmas as well. But take time to read and meditate on the Christmas narratives, again, as found in Matthew chapters 1 and 2 and Luke chapters 1 and 2. There's so much insight, so much wisdom to be drawn from them. And remember this, as much as we like to think, well, I know all about the Christmas story. There's so much more the Holy Spirit can teach us when we take the time and are wise enough to really read and meditate and ponder the powerful grace-filled passages known as the Christmas Narratives. We're very honored and blessed to have with us in studio today Dr. Ray Rooney. Uh, Dr. Ray Rooney is the editor of the AFA Stand. He's a pastor, a scholar, amongst other things. Ray, good to have you with us today. I'm glad to be here, Joseph. Honored to have you on with us. And uh, Ray, before we uh, kind of get into our topic, I want to ask if you'll just take a moment to further introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them exactly what the AFA Stand. Most of our listeners might know, but then there might might be some who are thinking, what in the world is an AFA stand? Okay. <laughs> All right. The the, AF, the digital stand is the AFA's blog site. So we have um, blogs or short essays, uh, written articles, written mostly by AFA staffers, but some outside of AFA. They cover the subjects like of faith, family, and, and culture, um, specifically where AFA kind of comes down on, on those three broad uh, spectrums. And um, there's, there's some really good things in there uh, written by some, some pretty smart people. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I would encourage you all, you just, it's, you just, um, it's afa.net slash the stand. All righty. And we'd encourage all of our listeners, please take time to go, go, go by there and just read through some of the very powerful and insightful blogs that you will find there. And again, Dr. Ray Rooney is the editor for the AFA stand. And of course, he places some excellent articles on there himself, as well as serves as the editor, too. Well, uh, Ray, again, grateful for you taking the time to be with us today. Uh, You, uh, as you often do on Wednesdays here at AFA, you'll do some of the AFA uh, devotionals. And you shared one recently that was very powerful about just, uh, I guess I don't want to say necessarily differences between Matthew and Luke's account of the Christmas story, but I guess they are differences, too. But I wanted to ask if you'll just share some of the insightful truths you were sharing about through that devotion. Sure. Well, you begin with the fact that there are four Gospels, all right? Um, and there's not there's not just one Gospel written, you know, with a, a conglomeration of four people. It's four different Gospels. You get four different perspectives. Two of them don't even address the birth narratives, all right? So you only have 
two gospels, as you've mentioned already, Matthew and Luke, chapters one and two of both of both books, mm-hmm. and um, I, I've just discovered that they're really very different. They're they're what mm-hmm. I have also discovered is that I've been like most everybody else, you know, uh, living in the Christian church. You they just get jumbled together. Right. Mm-hmm. And and let me just say this, that when you take Matthew and Luke and superimpose one over the other, you do get a more comprehensive picture, right? Because right? both, you know, both of them leave things out, the other one, and so you get a better picture. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> what you've lost when you, when you superimpose it and just get a, um, a, a more comprehensive picture is the perspective of of each writer. And so you so there's Matthew's perspective on the uh, the nativity, there's Luke's perspective. Now if I want a more comprehensive picture and I put them together uh to get you know like I said a comprehensive picture of it um then it's my perspective. Mm-hmm. Right? And you lose Matthew and Luke. And you know, right, I would just mention this too that you know as as you you make the point that people sort of kind of Blend them all together, and all, all, and you add into that mix the movies we see, where, yes. for example, the wise men arriving at the same time as the uh, shepherds, which of course is very uh, inaccurate per se, but it makes it more convenient for movie purposes, you know. So, yes. But uh, before we go further, yeah. would you take a moment now to pray for for listeners to really hear what the Lord is saying to them? Because again, I really believe the insights that you have to share will bless and encourage believers in some practical as well as encouraging ways. Well, sure. Okay. Dear Lord, I give thanks to you for uh, this broadcast. I pray for the listeners. I pray that uh, you, you, through your Holy Spirit, would grant us grace to help clear our minds, receive the um, the story that you wanted us to receive, first from Matthew and also from Luke. Um, get their stories first and, and get it the way you want us to have it before we blend them together and get a more comprehensive story. Um, it will really help us throughout the Christmas season. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 So the distinctive nature of the two Gospels is sort of kind of what you're kind of touching on. Yes. And and the best way to, to, to jump into this would be uh, to basically say what each Gospel doesn't have. All right. And and I think I found this to be quite startling when I started looking through it. So so um so in Matthew, all right, here's what you don't have in in Matthew's nativity narrative. First off, you don't have any mention about the Joseph and Mary's hometown. Mm-hmm. The, the, it's not there now. I, I pointed out in the devotion the other day that um, most most of your Bibles, when you're looking at Matthew, and you get to chapter uh, two and and right above verse nineteen, most Bibles have those little headings that all right about what you're about to read, and and mine says the return to Nazareth. But I would challenge anyone to say uh, to find where Nazareth is mentioned in Matthew's Gospel <laughs> before that. It's not mm-hmm. mentioned. Mm-hmm. At, at all, so you see, even the editors uh, who put who who <laughs> worked through the Bible and put and, and they added their headings, even they were influenced by well. I'll, so, mm-hmm. all right. So the first thing Matthew uh, omits is Mary and Joseph's hometown. He doesn't talk about actually. When you read Matthew's version, he doesn't give an explanation for why they were even in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. All right, there's no mention about a census, not, not, nothing like that. Um, he doesn't mention the, the uh, Gabriel's visit to Mary. He doesn't mention John the Baptist. 
Now, uh, he does later on, but not in the birth narrative, mm-hmm. which is very different from Luke's. Luke's birth narrative is basically a two-track thing, John and Jesus, and they just back and forth. Hmm. All right, And he now, spends a lot of time dealing with John's family. Exactly. And, and I, I note in Luke, too, it, it points out the fact that Zechariah gets filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, Elizabeth gets filled with the Holy Spirit, and even John the Baptist, and he yes. specifically points that out. And so, and that's fascinating mm. that they give Luke gives a lot of time to John and his family, as well as Jesus and his family. Exactly. Um, but that's because they had different reasons for writing the gospel. <laughs> okay, and I'll get to that at the end. All right. Uh, f- finally, there's no mention of angels or, or uh, of a heavenly host. The only angels mentioned are the ones that appeared to Joseph in a dream mm-hmm. uh, in Matthew. So there's no angels, a heavenly host, and there's no presentation of Jesus in the temple. All right, from Matthew. All right. Now, if you go to Luke and you find a whole lot uh, not there as well. For instance, there's nothing about uh, Joseph's problem. All right. And Joseph's problem is is spoken of immediately in Matthew. Mm-hmm. And it's the problem is my fiance's pregnant. And that's a very mm-hmm. prominent issue yeah, in it, chapter it, it's one. It's a prominent issue. Uh, that's not even mentioned. Uh, it, as a matter of fact, if you read Luke's version, I, there's just nothing said about Joseph about about having any kind of issue or or any. It's just not there. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so you can't read into it. It's just not there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing about Joseph's dreams. There's nothing about the wise men in in Luke. There's nothing mm-hmm. about Herod. There's a mm-hmm. mention of uh, Caesar, uh, of uh, Caesar Augustus uh, who required the the census, but nothing about Herod. All right. Uh, there's nothing about the slaughter of the innocents. All right, with the the Bethlehem babies, mm-hmm. um, and there's nothing about the flight to Egypt. When, when the way when Luke ends his birth narrative, they go to the temple, they uh, present Jesus. The, then you have a little visit with uh, Anna, Annas, and mm-hmm. and then they're just gone. They go home. We'll pick up right there on the other side. You're listening to the hour of intercession. Our in studio guest is Dr. Ray Rooney, the editor of the AFA Stand. We'll be right back.
music of Casting Crowns with Gloria. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. Our in-studio guest today is Dr. Ray Rooney. He's the editor of the AFA Stand and sharing about contrasting some of the messages of the Christmas, some of the messages within the Christmas message found in Matthew chapters 1 and 2 as over against Luke chapters 1 and 2 as well. So, Ray, if you'll pick up where you... Yeah, I just... The reason I went through that, uh, how different they are, is is to just point that out because a lot of people don't realize how different they are. They, mm-hmm. they think there's just a little bit missing from one and the other fills it in. They're radically different. Mm-hmm. They, they, don't, they don't cover the same territory. In some now, ways, almost like a, not a totally different story, but it's vastly— It's the same story, but uh, the, the, each author had a different reason for writing it, and so some of the stuff didn't really— uh, wasn't necessary for the telling of their story because neither one of them is a news reporter just saying here's what here's what happened they had a reason for telling it mm-hmm. now let me get to the reason that when you look at uh, at these gospels um uh, the the narrative the incarnational narrative um why were they were written that way let's look at matthew first if you just look at matthews and don't don't try and read in anything from luke what you get is a very dark ominous and painful picture Mm-hmm. All right, about the birth of Christ. It starts off with suspicion. All right, so it's Joseph's suspicion. What's going on here? All right, mm-hmm. that's how that's that's the first thing that's mentioned after the genealogy is is Mary's found to be pregnant. Joseph knows it's not him, and and uh, you read the the text. He was he was minded to put her away quietly. Mm-hmm. All right, <clears throat> so there's suspicion there. There's also suspicion uh, as soon as the wise men come. Then you have Herod's suspicion. What what mm-hmm. what, what do you mean you're coming to see the King of the Jews? That's mm-hmm. me. Um, then then. There's then there's the suspicion of uh, or just the darkness of Egypt. Why in the world are we are we going to go to Egypt? Mm-hmm. All right. So what I'm saying to you is, as you read in into just Matthew, um, you get a lot of subterfuge. Mm-hmm. All right. You, you you know there's there's dark things going on in the background, whether it's in the back of of Joseph's mind or Herod's mind there's just uh, there's and then you have the wise men they uh, they they're warned by an angel and so they don't trust Herod there's a lot mm-hmm. of mistrust and distrust mm-hmm. then of course there's bloodlust all right Herod's bloodlust with the slaughter of the innocents I mean he's just going to and and if you read the text carefully it doesn't just say Bethlehem mm-hmm. uh, it's the entire region I mean, there's no way to know how many how many babies Herod was responsible for killing, but it wasn't in just the town of Bethlehem; it was in the entire region. So, what you're getting from Matthew is is a is this dark picture, and there's a lot of urgency behind it. Um, Matthew's entire gospel, um, basically, and this is why this is it starts off this way, is is how Jesus fulfilled the prediction the prophecy of Moses in Deuteronomy 18:15 that God would raise up another prophet like him mm-hmm. all right and that's why we 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 start with the birth narrative because there's some similarities between the birth of Moses uh, mm-hmm. and and remember the pharaoh killing the killing the children right. and and the birth of Jesus mm-hmm. um so Matthew's gospel was based and also uh, and I pointed this out in the devotion Revelation 12:4 that's mm-hmm. the picture that you get of the dragon who's been cast out, a th- drew a third of the angels with him, and then in verse 4 of chapter 12, he stands before the woman 
who is about to give child to devour the child. Mm -hmm. So basically what Matthew has done in his gospel narrative about the nativity is to show how God thwarted that. Mm -hmm. It took some doing. I mean, because Mm -hmm. the devil can read scripture. He knew about the prophecies. Now, now, so uh, all these dreams that Joseph had and the angels is is working around how to Mm -hmm. prevent uh, the 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 devil mm-hmm. using Herod just like the devil used Pharaoh back in in Moses' day mm-hmm. uh, to to thwart that. So that's mm-hmm. that's Matthew. It's a dark picture. Now when you look at Luke, all right, his is a brighter picture. All mm-hmm. right, it's bright. It's hopeful. You have the the dual run of John the Baptist and and Jesus, um, Elizabeth and Mary. Good tidings of great joy. I mean, Gabriel's visit, the visit of the angels to the shepherds. It's Mm -hmm. bright. I'm not going to say happy, but it's just bright and hopeful and joyful. You have Zechariah's prediction after his tongue is loosed um, Mm -hmm. when John is born about John. Um, Both both pregnancies, by the way, Elizabeth's and Mary's are viewed in a positive light. Mm -hmm. As I said, there's there's. Luke doesn't go into any suspicion, or you just hmm. there's no, nothing in there about uh, Joseph. Mm-hmm. All right, mm. then you, then you have the presentation in the temple and the good words from both Simeon and Anna. So mm-hmm. here's here's basically to sum it up is this: <clears throat> Matthew's version of the nativity is how God fooled Satan. Mm-hmm. And there had to be some fooling to go on because Satan was ready for this. Mm-hmm. How God fooled Satan and thwarted. Uh, him from devouring the child. Mm -hmm. Luke's version is much more about how God's promises were fulfilled. And so mm-hmm. you get you get you, basically Zechariah is is borrowing from um, Malachi and and the the messenger that would go before, and so there's there's all these words of prophetic utterance and how God is bringing it to pass and and you know the whole. I'll put it to you this way: there are two passages that I would say. Matthew's is Revelation twelve four, how God fooled the devil. Luke's is basically based on Genesis three fifteen, how the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. Mm-hmm. Now, very positive. Uh, you know, it's the same event, mm-hmm. the birth of Christ, but you can see they had different reasons for uh, for for the way that they presented it. And mm-hmm. so Matthew's dark, but it's that's how it had to be. If you if you're going to fool the devil, you 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 mm-hmm. got to get in that darkness and and, the, and so there's all this 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 horrible stuff, the 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 slaughter of the innocents, the flight to Egypt. Um Matthew and you read his uh version, he seems to suggest and I know this this isn't a a contradiction, uh but let me just read this and I'll be done. Um this is after Joseph gets the the dream in Egypt to go back to Israel, and and there's been no mention of Nazareth. Mm-hmm. So he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Now, that sounds to me like he kind of wanted to go there, mm-hmm. but he was afraid to. Mm-hmm. And being warned in a dream— Another angel came and told he withdrew. That's you see the language here. He withdrew to the district of Galilee, and that's where he set up shop. So it sounded almost like uh, when after Egypt he wanted to go back to Bethlehem or somewhere, maybe even Jerusalem. And the angel said, "No, not 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 a good idea. Mm-hmm. Go to go to Nazareth." Mm-hmm. Luke, on the other hand, says that's where they started from. 
Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. That's the first time Matthew brings it up. So, uh, it's again, there's different reasons, right? right? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Ray, I want to ask um, just your thoughts on this, and you, you may or may not really have a, uh, a heavy opinion about this, but, of course, uh, Matthew is a Jewish tax collector. Mm-hmm. And Luke, of course, is uh, as a would it be correct? He's a Greek doctor. Yes. Okay, then. Do you feel like that weighs heavily, or not necessarily, into the different? Directions? Well, it's just the audience that both were trying to reach. Okay. I think everybody uh, pretty much realizes that Matthew's gospel is the presentation of Jesus as the King of the Jews. Mm-hmm. Luke's is 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 more of because Luke is a, a Gentile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Luke's is is more this happy thing of well, not it's not happy, but this this more joyful thing that look what God's going to do by letting me come in. Mm-hmm. All right, so you have different reasons uh, for writing it, and you have a different audience. Mm-hmm. All right, Luke's Luke's going going for the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, and and Matthew is saying, all right, Jews. Uh, he, he's 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 ours. He came mm-hmm. to us. Salvation is of the Jews. Listen up. This is the one that 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 uh, Moses was talking about. Mm-hmm. So there were again. You just have to look at well, why were they writing the gospel? And then Mark had a different reason, and then John had a different reason. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to find out everything you can about each of the gospels. Mm-hmm. Learn that author's distinct distinctiveness, and then. Try and get a comprehensive picture, but the problem is when you try and get the comprehensive comprehensive picture first, you lose well, what, you lose the distinctiveness and the reason mm-hmm. that the, each author wrote it. So, right. it's I just found out for my own benefit. Find out what Matthew was trying to say. Don't worry about Luke right now. Mm-hmm. Just find out when. Then mm-hmm. I found out now what was Luke trying to say, and don't worry about uh, Matthew. So mm-hmm. uh, you you find out a good bit more, and there's it. It sets the Gospels on a trajectory. Mm-hmm. And that's why the birth narrative is so important. Uh, on a particular trajectory that neither Mark nor John were really interested in. They had a different – so the birth narrative didn't even really matter to them. Just because they didn't bring it up didn't mean they didn't know about it. It's just that that's not why they were writing. Right, right. And, you know, I, I just think this is an interesting uh, – one uh, additional interesting uh, detail that relates to what you're speaking of each author writing from their perspective. In Luke, he touches on, just like, for example, when he mentions in the sixth month, he's talking about the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, and that's when uh, Gabriel visits uh, Mary specifically. And uh, that's a term, the sixth month would be something that moms could relate to who've been pregnant, who've carried a child three months, six months, that sort of thing, whereas us men wouldn't relate quite as well as women would. But Luke, being a doctor, he touches on that. And also the fact that he speaks of John the Baptist leaping in his mother's womb and the Holy Spirit lets Elizabeth know what that's about. Again, men will never know what it's like to have a baby leap on the inside or kick them, you know. But that's the Dr. Luke is touching on issues that maybe a doctor and moms could understand maybe better than others would. And Dr. Luke did also, from his perspective, didn't understand, I don't think, from Matthew's perspective— he talks about the the women a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, Matthew's a, a Jew, and and that's why Mary is is she's it's important. She's incredibly important. But if you'll but you'll see the difference in Matthew's gospel. All the angelic visitations are to Joseph. Mm-hmm. In Luke's gospel, 
it's it's Mary and Elizabeth, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 her and her husband. But you see right. the difference that to Luke that doesn't matter, but to Matthew, uh, it, 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 you know, mm-hmm. it, it mattered. That yeah. Would you pray for, uh, uh, right for the church to grow in the understanding of the critical need for us to be grounded in the Word of God in every aspect of our lives and view the fact that. We're to begin and end our perspective with the Word of God. Would you pray that the yeah. church will grow and become much more rooted in His Word yes. across the board? absolutely. Dear Lord, Your Word is life. The 119th Psalm just, just says over and over again how incredibly important Your Word is. It's, it's a pathway. It's, it's the lamp unto our feet. It's, it's everything to us. And the more we get in us, uh, the more we are transformed by it because the word is alive it's living it's 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 something that's that's not normal not natural it's supernatural it's incredibly important lord that the your people are are just immersed in your word and and not just not not just hearing about your word but immersing ourselves in it so i pray for the people who are listening uh, I pray for all the staff here at AFA. Uh, help us be known as a people, not only of the way, but of the word, and let it transform us so that we can be more prepared to meet you face to face. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. And Father, I do thank you for the wonderful gift of your word. And Lord, your word is you, and you are your word. <clears throat> and we thank you for the privilege and the honor we have of being able to open your word every day and spend time one-on-one with you as you speak words of counsel, wisdom, grace, blessing, and power. Father, thank you for the privilege of living in a culture where we can freely read your word. And Lord, help us to make the most of that. Help us to be a people who are grounded in your word, who live by its wisdom, and who put it to work as the sword of the Spirit, the most powerful weapon in the world that it is. Help us as individual believers to be diligent students of your word. Help us as couples. Help us to make time as couples to read and study your word and use it together. Help us as families to make it a priority to read and study your word. And help us as parents to be wise enough to help our children come to learn to love your word and become grounded in your word. Uh, Help us to be committed to that, Lord. And with every passing day, help us all to fall more and more in love with you and with your word and help us to become much more faithful hearers and doers of your word. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you, Lord. And Lord, especially, help us to know that in this culture that's trying to swallow our children alive, help us to be wise enough to make it a high priority to do our part to help fill our, our children and our youth's minds with your word and their minds and their hearts as well. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thanks, Ray, so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Again, Dr. Ray Rooney, the editor of the AFA Stand. We'll be right back.
music of B.B. and C.C. Winans with Silent Night. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. In the first two segments of the broadcast today, we had the privilege of having Dr. Ray Rooney. He's the editor of the AFA stand here at the American Family Association, and it was a privilege to have him to come on and share some of the very insightful things he had to share about the Christmas account. Accounts found in Matthew chapters 1 and 2 and Luke chapters 1 and 2. Well, uh, for this last segment, I want to touch on uh, discipleship, uh, specifically uh, believers in the midst of the Christmas season. Now, of course, obviously, many of these things would apply far beyond the Christmas season as well, but uh, we're kind of concentrating on during the Christmas season in particular. I've shared on a number of occasions and I want to take time to share once again an article that we wrote that was placed on the AFA stand entitled, A Grandparent's Christmas Discipleship Project. Now, let me say this too. One of the reasons why I think it's productive to share it a number of times is because, remember this, discipleship is a critically important priority for the church at all times in life, in all seasons. We're all called to be disciples as believers, and we're called to make disciples. And this is to be a life and a lifestyle for us. So obviously it would apply to our children and, of course, to our children's children as well. Obviously, as parents, we're to be discipling ourselves and we're to disciple our children. But as we've touched on, and I've actually had the privilege of having two different ministries that um, are ministries geared toward equipping grandparents to minister to their children in particular. Every grandparent listening, remember, you have a huge both opportunity and responsibility to disciple children and grandchildren as well. So I'm going to take time, again, to share this article once again. And, you know, you may not have a lot of time between now and Christmas, but remember, you can adapt the details of this project any way you wish to. But remember also the discipleship responsibility as well as opportunity doesn't end with the Christmas season. We're wise to come up with creative ways to continue to disciple our children and our grandchildren in ways that will bless in their lives. And let me remind you once again, your average grandparent, there are four th- at least four things they like to do, to do with their grandchildren. Number one, have fun with them. Number two, give them gifts. Number three, bless them. And number four, spend time with them. And this is a project that helps you do all four things. So again, the title of this article, A Grandparent's Christmas Discipleship Project. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. Now this is the commandment. The statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Again, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. How encouraging, uplifting, and inspiring it is for believers to take time and read, meditate, and think about the beautiful, glorious, and grace-filled narratives we know as the Christmas stories. They're found in Matthew chapters 1 and 2 and Luke chapters 1 and 2. What a great tragedy it is that so many children have never read the Christmas narratives or Christmas story. Here is a project specifically for grandparents 
that they can carry out during the Christmas season. Let each of your grandchildren know that you'd like for them to do the following for you. Call them every day for eight days during the Advent uh, season or the month of December. And during each call, read a part of the Christmas narratives out loud. Here's one possible reading plan you could use. For children who are eight years old or older, read on day one, Matthew chapter one. Day two, Matthew chapter two. Day three, Luke chapter one, verses one to 20. Day four, Luke 1, 21 to 37. The next day, Luke 1, 38 to 56. The following day, Luke 1, 57 to 80. The following day, Luke 2, 1 to 20. The following day, Luke 2, 21 to 38. And the final day, Luke 2, 39 to 52. And just as a side note, you know, obviously, if you need to abbreviate that to fewer days, that certainly is entirely up to you. For children younger than eight, you might simply have them read shorter passages that you select from these same chapters in Matthew and Luke. Or you may even choose to have them read the same passage drawn from one of these chapters several times. Let them know that you'll give them $1, $5, or whatever figure you prayerfully come up with each time they call you up and read for you. For many a grandchild that isn't particularly motivated to read, the money prize has a strange way of suddenly causing them to all of a sudden become highly motivated to read for granddad or grandma. Why is a project like this such a fruitful one? Allow me to share with you several reasons. Number one, the Word of God is Jesus, and Jesus is the Word of God. Number two, when our children and grandchildren read the Word of God, they are spending time listening and fellowshipping with Jesus. And for many a child, a grandparent doing this kind of project may be the only person in his or her life that is having them read the Word of God out loud to them. Number three, there's nothing in all the world that will bless and nourish the lives of our our children or grandchildren more than the powerful Word of God. And then number four, grandparents can have one more excuse to call and spend time in conversation with their grandchildren. After they begin this reading project, I would suggest you begin to mail the prize money the same day that they start reading to you. And of course, you can do it by mail or you can do it by cash app or some other means whereby you come up with a method to do it. One way to do this is to see to it that you mail eight checks made out to your grandchild eight different times in eight different mailings. Why do it this way instead of sending sending one check at the end of the project? Well, keep this very important point in mind. Your grandchild will receive eight different gifts instead of one. And receiving each gift slash reward can increase the excitement for your grandchild. Picture your grandchild saying, Mom, did the mail come yet? Grandmother's sending me some money today for reading about Christmas. Imagine the grandchild opening the envelope and saying, Here's my money from Granddad. He must think reading about Jesus and Christmas is important to pay me. And imagine your grandchild doing this for eight days coming up to Christmas, getting more excited about getting their mail than the day before. Obviously, the great blessing to our grandchildren is not the money. It's having the eternal Word of God planted in his or her heart and mind. Every grandparent can choose to do this project however they want to. You can certainly adjust the details however you wish or need to. That's entirely up to you. 
This is simply a fun way to carry out a Christmas discipleship project that can have eternal fruit in the lives of your grandchildren. What do you say, grandparents? Are our grandchildren worth the fruitful fun and effort? Of course they are. Again, the title of the article, A Grandparent's Christmas Discipleship Project. And if you'd like to get a copy of the article, simply email us at joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We'll be glad to get it to you as well. On an ongoing basis, of course, one of our goals in sharing these articles is to help put into your possession tools and resources that are good uh, tools that we can email to you that you can hang on, make copies of and hang on to as a tool both to use for your personal walk with God, tools you can use in the discipleship of your family, but also tools you can forward to friends and family, loved ones, uh, co-workers, fellow church members, to set with and send them to saved and unsaved people as well. Remember, one of our goals is that you and I can become co-workers in the kingdom of God in doing the work of making disciples. Thank you, Lord, again for the privilege, the honor, and the opportunity that is ours every day of being involved in the wonderful work of cooperating with your Holy Spirit by being involved in the work of the sharing of the gospel and the sharing of truth that can touch and transform the lives of those who receive it and read it. Thank you for the privilege, the honor we have of being able to disciple our children and our grandchildren to impact their lives with your powerful and blessed word. And Father, more and more help us to recognize that in the world that seems in so many ways to be getting darker and darker, your word is pure light. Help us to be mindful, Lord, that there's nothing better for our children spiritually, emotionally, mentally, or physically or otherwise. Nothing is better for our children than your precious word. And help us, Lord, to to grow, to have a deep conviction and understanding that helping to plant your word in the hearts and the minds of our children needs to be a high priority for us every day of our lives. Help us to be faithful to plant your precious word in our own minds and hearts every day. And help us to be very diligent about doing the same to help our children plant your word in their hearts and their lives each and every day. And Lord, with every passing day, more and more help us to become faithful hearers and doers of your word. Thank you, Father, for how that our understanding of your word grows as we read and meditate on it. And thank you, Lord, for how that you're working on the minds and the hearts of our children in so many wonderful ways as they plant your powerful word in their minds and their hearts and their lives. And Lord, help us to know, Lord, that discipleship is a great responsibility and it's, it's a great opportunity as well. But help us to know, Lord, that there's a lot of fun connected discipling our children, a lot of blessing, a lot of encouragement that comes from reading the word together, having them read the word out loud to us, taking the time to invite them to ask questions and, and responding to the questions they may have as best we can, or also sometimes just together looking for the answers to some of the questions they may have as well. Thank you for the opportunity for us to do this great work of discipleship in our own lives and in the lives of our children and in the lives of our family. Help us to be wise as husbands and wives to do our part to help disciple and encourage one another as spouses as well. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, as we usually do, before we end the broadcast, if you are listening today and you've never made the step, the eternally important step of, step of asking Jesus Christ to come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. Today is a good day, a great day to make that very important step. If you'd like to 
invite Christ, ask Christ to come into your heart and save you today, would you simply, from your heart, pray this prayer with us even now? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived. You died on the cross to pay for all my sins. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. Lord, I repent and I turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things that I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. In the Word of God, you told us, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right right now, Lord, I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your Spirit. Help me to live my whole life for you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you pray that prayer, we're very much wanting to be in touch with you. Once again, my email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We'd like to share with you some literature that will help you to begin to grow up and grow strong and to put down deep roots in your faith and walk with the Lord. Again, joseph at afr.net. We'll be glad to send that information to you, those resources that will help you in your new walk with the Lord. As always, we appreciate you being a part of our listening family. Once again, if you'd like to get a copy of the article entitled A Grandparents' Christmas Discipleship Project, same email, joseph at afr.net. Email us. We'll be glad to get it to you. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession and hope you have a Merry Christmas. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.